Time to talk Formula One on this edition of the KTM Summer Grill. We were delighted that our next guest could join us for last year's edition. He's come back for a longer chat this year, which we're thrilled about. Also with us is Matt Koch, the uh, the Formula One editor for Speed Cafe. But on the line, Zach Brown, McLaren CEO. Welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Hey, how pleased, how pleased were you with 2023? The turnaround was... Um, remarkable, Zach, in, in many respects, and the way that the, the year basically ended was superb. Yeah, it was uh, turned out to be a great year. Uh, started not so well. Uh, don't think I want to repeat that. That was a little too exciting. But uh, second half of the year, you know, Austria onwards, the team did a fantastic job fixing our, fixing our car and giving us what ended up being the second fastest car the uh, second half of the year. So if we can string that together for a full season, I... Uh, It'll be uh, quite enjoyable next year. Zach, what do you put that change down to? Because fundamentally, it's the same team as it was that started the year. It's the same people who drew the car at the start of the year that drew the upgrades. You've got the same drivers. You know, the wind tunnel and those sorts of things have come on too late. What's the change been down to in, in particular? Um, leadership uh, and, and that of, of Andreas Stella. Uh, and of course, his whole team, it's not just one person, but someone needs to set the, the direction, the tone, the work ethic, the, the focus, the goal setting. And Andrea has done a wonderful job. Uh, as you've said, it's the same people that gave us our car in Austria. They gave us our car in Bahrain. But what I can tell you is that the people in Austria, that was a different team. And uh, Andrea just did a wonderful job. Uh, setting goals, setting direction, uh, bringing clarity, leading by example. And it just goes to show if uh, you've got strong leadership, what you can get out of people. And if you have not so strong leadership that, that you know, people lack, lack focus or direction or not sure where to go and, and you put forward a, a suboptimal result. So I think it's, uh, uh, again, it's a lot of people behind Andrea Stella, but it, it starts with him. Lots of people watching the grill will be interested on your take of Oscar Piastri's year. I mean, what a rookie season he enjoyed. Um, I mean, you've talked about him having kind of the right uh, the right stuff to be a future world champion, haven't you? Yeah, he, he's been unbelievable. We knew he was mega fast, but with any uh, rookie, especially one that took a year off, so you think there'd be some rust there. I, I didn't see any rust. Or he rinsed it off pretty quickly. And uh, I think what was most impressive about him was his, his patience, his attitude, his technical ability, and his build-up to a weekend. I think a lot of young drivers try and uh, win Friday, and they end up crashing, and then you're on your back foot all weekend. And Oscar was one session at a time, knew it didn't count until, you know, Q3 and qualifying. So... He, he, he would experiment, he would learn, he would listen, he would talk to Lando, he would look at data. Sometimes he was there on Friday. Sometimes, you know, Monaco, he was a half a second off. Uh, come qualifying, he was right there. Uh, and, and that was impressive to have a, a driver with that type of maturity of building into a weekend. Um, you know, his racecraft is getting stronger and stronger, which is, is a hard part with the uh, lack of experience. These tires are tricky to manage over a race, and he, he just built into the weekends uh, wonderfully. Zach, you mentioned Lando there. 
he's a high quality young driver. He's, he's not even 25 yet himself, and yet he's almost a veteran of Formula One. How have you seen Lando change this year with Oscar? Is, is Oscar sort of pushing Lando on a little bit? He, Lando sort of suggested that he has been. No, yeah, for sure. And I think it's great. You know, Lando was kind of unchallenged for the most part the last couple of years. And I think even though drivers always drive to their best of their ability, we know if you have a teammate who's pushing you, you just get a little bit more without even necessarily, you know, trying. It just happens. So I think the fact that Oscar has um, been so close has benefited Lando. They also have a very similar feel for the car. So I think in addition to just driving faster and harder, I think they quite complement each other. When you listen to them in the debriefs, they kind of say the same stuff. So that's also helped the engineers and the designers pick a direction versus, you know, one driver saying he has understeer and another driver saying he has oversteer. And then you've got some engineers that are, you know, scratching their head on which way to go. Does that create an interesting challenge as you go forward because the beauty is you've got two great fast drivers but at the same time you know um, maintaining or or looking after those competitive um, instincts must be a challenge uh yeah for for sure and i think it's something that we're we're well aware of it's something that i think we're particularly good at um that's an area that andrea and i chat about all the time i very much enjoy working with the the drivers i think that's you know if you look at kind of the mclaren environment uh alonzo and carlos and you know daniel even though unfortunately didn't work out we had a great relationship so i think driver management is one of our strengths and yeah of course they want to beat each other right now they know pushing each other uh is going to push the team forward but for sure there's going to be a day hopefully sooner rather than later that um they're running one two and whoever's in second is going to want to be in first and uh you know they, they're, they're very clean. They've raced each other hard this year. Uh, and it's been, it's been clean. It's been hard. It does make you, you nervous, but uh, they're, they're professionals. They both have a long way to go in their career. So I'm not anticipating anything silly to happen. And if it does happen, you, you tackle it right away. You don't let it bubble up. I think when we've seen driver issues before, uh, not, not at McLaren recently, but just down the grid, you see these troubles bubbling up and you kind of question why the teams don't step in earlier. They, it's kind of like watching two dogs starting to growl at each other on the playground. You know, a fight's about ready to happen, but yet you sit there and just watch. This year you finished fourth in the Constructors' Championship. What does that mean to McLaren and how significant is it in the, the broader picture? Because we always talk about the Drivers' Championship. We all talk, Max Verstappen, he, he dominated and... and you know, all these greats across the years, but the Constructors' Championship, I guess, to you, is the more important one because that's where the prize money is paid out. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. It, um, it's, from a team perspective, that's what's most important. We, we want to win the Constructors and we want to finish first and second. And we, uh, we kind of don't care who finishes first and who finishes second. <laughs> Obviously, the drivers do, but um, you race as a, as a team. But of course, you know, we, we looked at, um, the last race of the year, we weren't in a position to do it, but we did have a discussion uh, internally that if we could help Lando without compromising Oscar to, to get fourth in the championship instead of six, depending on how they were running, uh, we would have done that. Um, Oscar was was ready to play ball, but you know the race didn't play out in that that way. It was a shame to have Lando finish sixth, uh, you know, by a couple points. 
You've talked drivers there and we've talked um, some of the personnel and so on. We know there's great facilities at McLaren. What do you think you need now to be in a regular position for every round of the championship to be going toe-to-toe, say, with a Red Bull? Just a little bit of, little bit more time. You know, we have our wind tunnel now, but we've just started using it. Uh, the 24 car was started in the, the old wind tunnel, so we won't have a full benefit from the wind tunnel until 25. We're in our new simulator. Again, we started simulation uh, just recently. So, And then we have, in addition to this great team, uh, two other people, David Sanchez, uh, who's joining us from Ferrari, and Rob Marshall joining us from Red Bull, that don't start till January. So they'll get their hands on the car then, which means we'll see some of their influence on the upgrade. So we kind of have everything we need now, but 24 is still a bit of a hybrid year that while January 2nd, I've got everything that we need. You really needed it June 2nd if it was going to be a full impact in 24. So I think 24 is, you know, a little bit of a hybrid year for us, but you know, no excuses. We, we have the desire to be winning races, but it's going to be 25 where we can sit there and say everything in 25 has been done with our full capacity of technology and, and people. And that's not that far away. So, uh, but you know, we had six seconds this year. We'd like to think we can convert some of those to wins next year. What's the trick then next year sitting here at the end of 2023, reflecting on a really strong season right on that precipice as you say of taking race wins you've got that behemoth that is red bull just up the road how do you tackle that in 24 realistically knowing that you've got all these tools coming on yeah i think we just keep doing what we're we're doing you know we we can only control uh what we can control and that's our our racing team uh we we like what we're seeing in the the wind tunnel and, and, and CFD at the moment. So we feel like we're going to take a step forward next year. How, you know, how much the great mystery on, on Red Bull is when did they turn off the development of their car uh, this year to focus on next year? And I think the answer is probably pretty early. So we'll just have to wait and see how much uh, Adrian Newey uh, magic comes out of the oven, so to speak next year to, to see where we, uh, where we are. And at the same time, Mercedes, Ferrari, these teams have everything they need and they're great teams. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we were sitting here and all of a sudden Mercedes was back to, you know, Lewis winning his eighth championship. So it's, it's, uh, it's very, very tough and competitive now. Even, you know, the ninth place team, AlphaTauri ran fifth, sixth in uh, Abu Dhabi. So I don't think you can rule anybody out this time of the year. Zach, can we just take what you've said there and maybe extend the conversation a little bit then on that whole notion of competitiveness? Uh, uh, do you feel then, like, broadly speaking, the cost cap is is working? No, I think it's, I think it's been great. You know, on, on one end, with one driver, you've never had a less competitive Formula One. Thank you, Max. Uh, <laughs> behind Max, it's the most competitive I've ever seen Formula One. It's the first time in the history of Formula One you've had five teams with seven podiums or more. You have teams that are ninth and tenth in the championship, Haas, AlphaTauri, making it into Q3 on a, you know, say regular basis, but you know, enough. So, and in the good old days of Formula One, the teams that are the back of the grid were three seconds off. The entire grid is now covered by a second. Um, so. I don't think Formula One's ever been more competitive. I think it's going to get even more competitive. 
I think you got Max and and that RB19 working their magic, which is making uh, the race at the front uh, a little more predictable than we'd all like to be. But behind that, look at us. We were ninth quickest, ended up second quickest at the end of the year. You had Aston Martin, who was second quickest, and then kind of dropped to fifth quickest and then made a comeback. You know, the, the, the teams were amazing. Um, so I, I think the sport's massively competitive. And I think once some of us catch this Max guy, uh, Formula One's going to be unlike anything we've seen before. I reckon this Max guy might have a bit of a future in Formula One. Just watch out for that name. Um, just this, uh, on the Cascade, we're a couple of years into it now. Is there any unexpected outcomes from it that you've noticed? Are there any loopholes that perhaps need to be tidied up? Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are. And I think that's to be expected. And, and they are being uh, closed. There was a, a, a TD45, which... Uh, came out, which was a technical directive that we're, we're closing some loopholes. There's another loophole on reporting companies that will be closed next year. So it's not perfect, but I would definitely take it from where we came from, which was, you know, spending out of control. Um, and then you have some teams being clever. You know, my, my biggest concern is the collaboration amongst a few teams. I think that's a real risk to Formula One. I think it's not in the spirit of what Formula One is about, which is 10 independent teams. I'd like to see us get rid of sharing gearboxes because as soon as you share gearboxes, you can you know, effectively know the rear end of someone else's car. So I think we need to get rid of all transferable parts, every team be independent because that that is a risk that I'm not happy with at the moment. We'll move into IndyCar shortly, but just, just while we're sort of in the bridging period here, Pato Award was obviously in Abu Dhabi, did FP1, uh, ran alongside Oscar in the uh, in the postseason testing and so on. Perhaps it might be worth for our audience, Zach, if you don't mind, just how he fits into the Formula One program and how it, it will either complement or work with his IndyCar program. Yeah, absolutely. He did a uh, fantastic job. He, uh, you know, First and foremost, we want him or one of our other drivers to win us the Indy 500 and the IndyCar championship. But, you know, you, you need a reserve driver. Things, things happen, right? We've seen drivers get COVID and appendicitis and get, you know, concussions and things of that, that nature. So, uh, you know, we have him on standby and ready to go if, if, uh, if we needed a, a, a driver. Um, obviously you have to do free practice one twice. So he, he's, you know, our IndyCar driver and, and our Formula One driver that uh, should an opportunity arise, we wouldn't hesitate to call on him because he's unbelievably fast driver. I think his experience in Formula One will make him an even better uh, IndyCar driver. I think the more experience you, you get, uh, the better. Uh, and, and he's really matured nicely and uh, is great to, uh, great to work with, a, a big personality in IndyCar. Very well media trained in my experience as well. You've, you've definitely got him, uh, got him on point there. With the IndyCar team, I don't know if this is deliberate or not, but it sort of mirrors the Formula 1 team in that you've got Pato and then you've got David Maluskas there, there as well. Two young drivers, much like you've got, I guess, with, with Lando and Oscar in Formula 1. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there's a way McLaren racing goes racing. Um, we're very uh, focused on our, our drivers. That's the most important or, uh, or certainly top of the list. If you're going to win in racing, you need the best drivers uh, you can get. So that's a huge focus for us. Uh, I think we take risks, uh, whether that risk is taking Fernando Alonso out of Monaco and going to Indy, or whether that's taking 
young drivers like Pato and, you know, Lando and, and Oscar and now David Malukas, I think, um, you know, we're comfortable in, in identifying uh, young, young talent. And then, you know, commercially and our fans, very important to us. You know, we, we have a, a awesome uh, corporate uh, supporter base and, and fan base. And so you need drivers that can get the job done uh, on and off the track. Just to your point as well on the Formula One side before about good people in key places, it appears that you've done that in, in IndyCar as well, uh, as well. I mean, if you look at um, uh, Gavin Ward in a, in a technical director sense there, it's as though you have um, those pillars in place in, in order to have that team going head-to-head with a Penske, with an Andretti and so on. Yeah, we're very, uh, as you would imagine, and as is every other team, very performance-focused. So, you know, the way we run the Formula One team, the way we run the IndyCar team, you know, we let the team bosses really focus on the performance of the team and we kind of, you know, the commercial side of the sport is something that I'm very comfortable with. So we kind of ring fence that as a supporting system. So I don't want Andrea or Gavin worrying too much about uh, our, our partners. I want them to focus on performance. And then I've got a you know, a marketing team, about 175 strong, led by uh, Louise, Nick, and, and Matt, who do a fantastic job of looking after all of our partners. So it's kind of, they're the fuel. They they develop the fuel. They put the high octane in the car, and then Andrea, Gavin, and Ian, they go racing. With the high octane in the in the car for next year in IndyCar, what's realistic? What's the target for, for McLaren in 2024? It definitely needs to be going for the championship in the Indy 500. I think we've been in a champion uh, position to win the championship the last couple of years. We've been in a position to win the Indy 500 the last couple of years. So uh, unlike Formula One, where we've kind of been on this journey of rebuilding, we have everything we need now. Uh, we just need to close the deal. And last year, I think we had two opportunities to win the Indy 500 and we didn't get it done the year before we, we were close. We were outside, uh, Turn one, last lap, but uh, Pato did the right thing and, and tucked in because I don't think two would have made it through the corner. So, you know, we've been in one pass away for the last couple of years from winning the 500. I'd like to see us close the deal there. And, you know, Pato in particular has been in the top five going into the last race uh, with the chance for championship two of the last three years. So, um, you know, I was reviewing uh, our, our DNFs, if you'd like, and our pace has been great. We've had more DNFs than than the two teams that have beat us. So to a certain extent, we kind of beat ourselves a little bit. So that's what we need to change uh, going into next year. I don't think this will take much arm twisting, but we haven't got much time left. But we would love to talk a little supercars with you, if you don't mind, and Walkinshaw and Andretti United. Um, firstly, a, a broad overview from your perspective, Zach, on, on how you felt the 2023 season was. A lot of off-track discussion around parity and so on was was a you know a, a big topic with those new gen 3 cars coming in um, but obviously Chaz finishing um, in the top four in the championship so there are some positives there yeah for sure there's positives uh you know within our own team I think Chaz is a spectacular driver we're excited for next year uh massively disappointed in, in the the lack of parity and I think it was so obvious that it was just disappointing that it, it you know, wasn't addressed. Um, I don't think it's good for the sport. Uh, I think it was blatantly obvious that uh, things were out of out of balance. 
And uh, I, I'm just surprised that they didn't tackle it. Um, let's hope that things uh, are, are more of equal playing foot because, you know, Chaz needs to be competing for the championship, but it needs to be in a position to have the equipment underneath them. The equipment's great. Just the, the lack of parity uh, is not. So uh, we're excited for next year. I'll be uh, uh, Australia. I'm trying uh, for the Grand Prix, of course, trying to figure out one other to go to. I missed Bathurst this year. Uh, I do watch them all on uh, Superview at O Dark 30 here in uh, in England. The race is awesome. The series is spectacular. And I drove my uh, Aussie V8 uh, Bathurst winner at uh, Laguna uh, a year or two ago. So I love the series. Great partnership with uh, Ryan Walkinshaw, Michael Andretti. It's something very proud of. I know everyone talks about the Triple Crown. I, I think it's the big four because I think you got to throw Bathurst in there. So that trophy is sitting right over there. Uh, one, of, one of the more proud trophies I've had over the years. They are about to do uh, some important testing offshore uh, in relation to you know wind tunnel and, and engine work and so on. Um, by chance, did, did supercars uh, approach you and, and ask about either contacts or some of the infrastructure that you've had? And maybe did they consider you know, talking to you? Not, not, not a word, which again, I think is uh, a, a bit disappointing that, um, you know, these issues are sometimes hard to tackle and you should reach out to, to people. Of course, anytime you're on the receiving end of not being the beneficiary, you, you know, of course, it's always appears that you moan, but I think the results kind of speak for them themselves, right? I, I don't think um, you can go down the the win list by manufacturer. And I don't think you need to be around motorsports very long to go, Ooh, that seems pretty, uh, pretty lopsided. So unfortunately, no, no one, no one reached out to, to us. I've got great friends at Ford. They were frustrated. We spoke about it. Um, and, and I know Ryan and Bruce, uh, uh, you know, they're not shy. And um, so they, they, they worked on it and, uh, you know, we just didn't get to where we needed to this year, but let's hope next year's a, a new year and we can get it right. Next year's your seventh year with uh, Walkinshaw and Andretti United in that, in that partnership. How's that all been working? Is it working the way that you thought it would when you set that up or have there been any changes to the way you're working together? I, I, I would say even, even better uh, because it's been pure enjoyment and sometimes uh, owning a racing team comes with uh, some headaches every once in a while. And I got to say between Bruce and, and, and Carl who run the team, they've, they've made it pretty headache free uh, for us. So we're, we're in a position where um, we're here to help and contribute uh, when they ask, but they've done a great job leading the team and uh, they've kept all headaches off my desk, which is great because I've got enough of those through the various activities that we have that, you know, this for me is intended to be fun and enjoyable because I love racing and they've been able to keep it fun and enjoyable for me. So uh, hats off to them. You have been fabulous with your time. It's meant to be the off season. I think you want to get back on the tools and do whatever work you're doing there. Thank you very, yeah, very much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking down. to That's us. The case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and all the very best, best for, for 2024. 2024. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and have a great holiday and we'll see you in the new year. You could be a winner each episode of the Summer Grill. KTM are giving you the chance to win a bar stool, a mug and this race inspired clock as well. So there's more good reasons to tune in and hear from some of the stars of World Motorsport here as a part of the KTM Summer Grill. All you got to do is click on the link below, fill in your details and you could be in the running to win.